Hello, this is Daniel Orton, pastor of Harvest House United Pentecostal Church in Marion, Kentucky. It is our desire to see hurting hearts and minds healed as they are born again into the kingdom of God. It is my desire that this podcast will be a blessing to you and help bring you closer to Jesus. going to do this almost a little bit the format of what I've been doing on Sunday morning. <clears throat> because I think this is something we all could benefit talking to each other about. So we're going to turn to um Psalms 37, 3-6. I love these scriptures. Very good. So, Trust in the Lord. Do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. He shall bring it to pass. Jesus, we love you. Help us to help one another here tonight. Help us, God, to strengthen each other in this area, knowing that we all, no doubt, probably struggle. And I just ask that you to help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I have found in 30 years of ministry is that, by and large, people do what they want to do. And usually the things we do the most is the things we desire to do. We usually don't do very many things that we do not desire to do. If it's something that we don't or not enjoying doing it, there is a desired reward for what we're doing. And that's the only reason we do it. For example, a job that is not something you necessarily love you don't desire to do the job, but you desire to get the paycheck. So, therefore, even though it may be a drudgery at that job, we still go ahead and have some type of desire to do the work because we want the paycheck. I've been talking about the last few Thursdays about preparing for the journey. And... Um, if somebody does not have a desire to make a journey to somewhere, they're either going to complain the entire way, not enjoy the journey, or just won't make the journey. I, I remember there's been times we was going to go places when the kids was little, and oh my goodness, would they whine and fuss the whole way? Y'all never experienced that, right? Sister Cheryl, let me go do something. Shopping. Oh, God. I hate shopping. It hurt. 
The only reason I do it is because I love her. <laughs> I desire to be married, so I go shopping with her. <laughs> She's back there. But the journey's not always easy, but the destination is what makes the difference. So we can keep our eye on the prize, as Paul said in Philippians, and not the journey we're traveling will have more of a desire to make the journey. Again, the paycheck. I don't want to go to work. I don't mind doing my job. I know John Maxwell says if you uh, love what you're doing, you'll never work a day in your life. So I must not love what I do because it's too much like work sometimes. Um, but the old saying is true. Nobody s said it would be easy, but it will be worth it. Um, not with everything, but for sure when it comes to living for God. So I'm talking about preparing for the journey. And tonight I want to talk about this with it. I want to talk about desiring the journey. There are a lot of things that I can't control. And th this is the thing that probably is going to get us talking here when I get done with my thoughts. You may not want to talk about it, but I can't control a lot of things, but, and we may think we can't, but I can control my thoughts. And I know some people think, well, I can't control my thoughts, but we really can, biblically speaking. And, and I've done it myself. We can control our thoughts. Because the important thing is my thoughts controls my desires and my wants which in turn controls my emotions and my feelings. I can go to work not wanting to work, having the wrong thoughts about, well, this is that and this is that. And my emotions and feelings get the best of me. And I went the other direction thinking, well, I understand this is that and this is that, but this is what I got to do. To get the paycheck. So it makes the emotions and feelings work better. And I believe it is the will of God that we desire the spiritual things of the kingdom of God. But here's the thing. We've got a lot of people in church that don't desire the things of the kingdom. And what matters is we become what we desire. The things that we desire is what drives us. And if we don't desire to make heaven our home, we will have a hard time in this journey of life. And tonight, I, I want to try to help us desire this journey towards heaven. Because this is a journey. And no matter what we do, life is a journey. And there's only two destinations. We're either going to go to heaven or we're going to go to hell. And as long as we're driven by fleshly desires, this will be a long journey that unfortunately will end in eternal damnation. And if we don't desire, have a desire, um, to have a desire to journey this life for the right reasons, to make heaven our home, or focus on the end, or focus on the prize of heaven, 
we're going to have a hard time in this life. And in order for us to have the desire that we need to really get up, make it to the house of God, pray like we should, study the Word of God, share our, our testimony with other people, it takes us... Con What's the word I'm trying to say here? It takes us being on purpose thinking right. It's going to take a change in our thinking. Max Dupree said, we cannot become what we need to be by remaining what we are. It's a very sobering quote. As of lately, I have been so ready to become everything that God wants me to be. And to do that, I'm going to need to work on my desire. Now, y'all might be not like me, and I'm going to be very transparent, but, um, and this bothers me, sometimes I don't always desire to pray. I don't always desire to read my Bible. I don't always desire to be nice to people. I don't always desire um, to do anything, honestly. It just, you know, thinking. I think it's a big key, it's thinking. Our desires, is, I think, is a big thing, it's thinking. Proverbs, he said it well. I've quoted it many times. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That simply said, you and I are no better or worse than the state of our thinking. We are no better or worse than the state of our thinking. I like to call it stinking thinking. <laughs> and the devil likes to get us there. We can change our thinking. Or when we change our thinking, we change our belief. We change our desire. That? Yeah. So how do we do that? What we see, touch, taste, hear, our senses, all these, that affects our thinking more than anything else in this world. We see something and it triggers some thoughts. Right? We see certain things, it triggers thoughts. We hear something, it triggers thoughts. We touch something, it triggers thoughts. We smell something, it can trigger thoughts. We taste something, it can trigger thoughts. How many times you walk, I know, when I smell fresh baked bread, it takes me back to walking to my mama's house, cooking sourdough bread. I begin to think about mama. How many times have you been in a restaurant and you take a bite of something and all of a sudden, that tastes like mama's or grandma's? Your mind begins to go and your mind begins to think. Everything we do seems to begin with a thought. Life consists of what a man is thinking about all day, said Ralph Waldo Emerson. What you think about all day is what your life will consist of. And that's also the things that produce what we desire.
John C. Maxwell said, what we think determines who we are, and who we are determines what we do. Paul told the Corinthian church, he said, for we walk in the flesh, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after flesh, for the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. The pulling down of strongholds, doing what? Casting down imaginations and however high thing that exalts against itself against the knowledge of God, bringing in captivity what? Every thought to where? To the obedience of Christ. This is the key to our desire. Because if we think about things negative long enough, it will cause our desires not to be for good things. Uh, so let's talk about desire. Napoleon Hill said the starting point of all achievement is desire. What things we do we desire? To delight in something means to take to be have great be greatly pleased with or extremely satisfied with it. That's to delight in something. You're really pleased with it, or extremely satisfied. Our hearts are full of desires. Whether you're desiring food, friends, God, money, whether it's sex. At every waking moment of our lives, we are desiring something. And it's not always what we're doing. How many times are you at work? You desire to be home. How many times you're awake? You desire to be asleep. Some of you might be right there right now. We're sick. We desire to be well. It's Monday. We desire for it to be Friday. Be the weekend, right? And here's the thing. God built that into us to desire things. We're going to desire because it is a God-built thing in us. So we've got to learn to control our desires for things. I mean, this is just how it is. So how do we do that? The text tonight, trust in the Lord, do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. There are a lot of things I can't control. And we may not believe it, but we can control our thoughts. My thoughts control my desires and wants which turns, in turn, controls my emotions and my feelings. What you think provokes your desire. Paul said in Philippians 4 and 8, anybody know how it goes? What's for things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely. What's for things are good report, there be any virtue, there be any praise, think on these things. If I can allow the Word of God and the things in this list to determine what I think about, then my desires would change. What would happen if we thought mostly, now I don't, we're human, so we're not ever going to do it totally. I don't believe we can. Maybe we can. I don't know too many people have ever done it. That's all they think about. But if we could condition ourselves where we're constantly thinking more about true, honest, just, and pure, and lovely, and all these things, and bank that off the Word of God, if I can do this, it will change my desire. 
And the things I desire and won't crave long, that controls my emotions. How many times have we worked ourselves into a dizzy because we begin to think about stuff that's not on that list? Yeah. And the next thing you know, your emotions out of control. Then the next thing you know, somebody says something to you, bite their head off or knock their head off. <laughs> right. Or, since Cheryl says, devolve into a puddle of tears. My emotions controls what I do. This is the point I'm trying to get. My emotions control what I do. So, for example, if someone I know but don't know well decides to move to the other side of the world, it may bother me, but not a lot. But, if one of my kids move, that's a different story. Because the mother people are not someone I think about. And it doesn't cause me to have a desire to be around them. But I think about my kids every day. I think about that sport rotten boy down there every day. And if they move somewhere else, or, or some people in the church... We was praying for the, the people while ago, and I was praying for Bobby and Missy. I said, God, bring them back! Because I think about them a lot, so it makes me desire to be around them. And we don't get emotional about things you don't think about. Think about that. We don't get emotional about things we don't think about. If you don't think about it, there's no desire for it. You, when you get to talking to somebody, you can tell what they've been thinking about. And when you get on their candy stick or on the thing they're thinking about, they're going to start talking about it. Yeah. And if we can control our thinking and desires, we can control our emotions. And I know that's easier said than done, right? And Paul told us what to think about. The psalmist told us how to desire. Delight thyself in the Lord, in other words, enjoy the things of God, and then you'll have desires. He'll give you desires of thine heart, but the desires of your heart will be for the things that He loves because we're delighting in Him. So how do we delight ourselves in the Lord? People delight in wealth, status, material, vehicles, all this kind of stuff. But that stuff never satisfies. And this is why people are not enjoying the journey of living for God. They don't really desire to live for God because they think about the wrong things and they desire this and that and that stuff doesn't give to them what they need. So Solomon figured it out and he said, vanities of vanities. He said the preacher, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Ecclesiastes 1 and 2. Solomon learned that the, his quest for all these earthly treasures, what he ended up saying, everything in this world is meaningless. Yeah. is what he was saying. John 2, 15 through 17 says, not, Love not the world, neither the things of the world. We know this, no doubt. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passed away. The lust thereof, but 
He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. If our desires are for the things of this world, we'll never be satisfied in this journey of life. And it's, we're going to have a hard time desiring heaven because we're trying to satisfy our desires. We're thinking about stuff that doesn't matter and doesn't satisfy. Not saying we can't have that stuff. Not saying that stuff is not important. But this temporal and this journey of life is going to be hard. We'll never be happy with the things this world has to offer. And if we can put God first, he will give us peace and joy in this journey. And our needs will be met. And he'll even give us a lot of our wants. Our heart's desire will begin to match up with his will. If we, we, if we can somehow prioritize Jesus, chances of our heart's greatest desire will not be a brand new whatever. No matter what it is. But that stuff would be temporal. But eternity in heaven with Jesus would be what we really desire. And we'll understand as we go through this life. If my mind can stay to be stayed upon him, the payday. When, when the car breaks down, the washer goes kaploop, the whatever happens in life. You know, people, I got to get the newest phone. You want the insurance? Nah. Walk out the door and drop it. And you break it. It's gone. <laughs> right? This world and the things in this world can never satisfy our deepest longings. And if that is our desire on this journey, life is always going to be unfulfilled. And if that's all we're thinking about, is the stuff of this life, then this journey becomes a drudgery. This journey becomes hard. This journey becomes tough. But if we can choose to delight in God's way, he'll always provide above and beyond our expectation. Jesus said, whosoever drinketh, John 4, 14, whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up to everlasting life. One version said it this way. The water that I give will become in them a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Eternal life is what our reward, our payday has to be. Not that someday I'm going to have enough money to retire earlier. I'm going to have enough this or enough that. If I have nothing in this world, I have to think on the things that's true and just and honest and pure and nothing in this world really qualifies for that there are some things that will satisfy but let's go back again how do we do that romans 7 paul begins to talk about this journey he begins to talk about this life that we live i'm going to read it from the king james and i'm going to read it from the living bible Romans 7, 14 through 25. I'm going to read it quickly, and I'll go back to living the Bible a little bit different. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, so to understand. For, what which, for that which I do, for that which I do allow not, for that, this is always hard to read because it's very tongue-twisting. Right. For that which I do, I allow not. For that what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I, do I. 
If then I do that which I would not, I consent in the law that is good. Now there's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I, I would do, uh, uh, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Then I find a law that when I do, would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law of my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? How many of us can relate with that? I want to do good, but I can't. What's going on? Verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, what? The mind, what is the mind? The thought, the feeling, or the will. I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Let's look at that through the living translation. It brings us easier to read and more to understand. So the trouble is not the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human. A slave to sin. I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. And I'll know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do that, do what I do. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another pyre within me. There's a war with my mind. The pyre makes me a slave to sin. That is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. I am so glad Romans didn't end there. Because we'd be lost. Because our hope comes in Romans 8 and 1. Our answer to getting our desire where it needs to be. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending His own Son the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, condemn sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. This is just what I've been saying right there, that entire verse. The things that are after the flesh mind the things of the flesh. Or we could say that the things that, that are in this world, they desire the things of this world. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, but they who desire the spiritual things of God, they desire the eternal things. 
For to be carnally mind is death, but to be spiritually mind is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity. That means hatred against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. If so, be the spirit of God's will in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit's life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. It's easier to understand in Romans 7. But I'm fixing to be done. Romans 8, 1 through 11 from the New Translation really brings this home to what I'm trying to say tonight. So listen to it from the New Living Translation, what I just read from the King James. So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared to an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. It's exactly what I've been talking about here tonight, about our desires. Now listen to this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, or as we like to say, the Holy Ghost, think about things that please the Spirit. This is the answer for us walking through this journey of life, desiring to take whatever comes to us because we know that it's not about this world, but it's about eternity. If somehow every time this world throws us a curveball, we can let not the sinful nature that wants to bring us down and let sin dominate our life. Instead, at that point, we can somehow let the Holy Ghost begin to dominate our thoughts and bring, bring our thinking around to where it needs to be. We won't dread this journey of life. Verse 6, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. So letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. It's exactly what I'm talking about. Desiring this journey today is, is letting the desires of God get in our life. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. That's strong. I want to please God. And too many times I find myself being controlled by the flesh. Verse 9, but if you're not controlled by your sinful nature, you are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, Remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. That's strong. 
And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, He will give you life. He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. I'd like to submit to us tonight. And it's not that late. And I know this is a huge thing with so many of us sitting in this place tonight that our thinking can run us out of control at times. And once I get done, I'm going to say a prayer. I want us to strengthen each other with this tonight. Another quote, though. Um, I knew how to say his name, but now I don't. It's, uh, I mean, I'm going to try it. E-P-I-C-T-E-T-U-S. Said, Freedom is not procured or obtained by full enjoyment of what is desired, but by controlling the desire. And for our desires to truly be after the Lord, it must be controlled by the Spirit and not our fleshly desire. James Allen said, you will become as small as your controlling desire." And as great as your dominant aspiration. So no matter how small that desire is. The small as it can be. We will become as small as your controlling desire. But if we can have a dominant aspiration that is bigger than this worldly desire. This journey is going to be easier. Didn't say it's going to be easy. It's going to be easier. As long as we're in life, Jesus promised that this promises this. In this life, you will have tribulation. But what did he say? But be a good cheer because what? I've overcome the world. And greater is He that's in you than He's in the world. If we can understand the reward at the end of this journey, which is either heaven or hell, then we should understand the importance of us controlling our desire by living in the spirit and not in the flesh. Whatever we have to do to live in the spirit is what we got to do. And sometimes that means cutting some things off in our life. Um, somebody asked me this week, Monday, did you watch that game the other night? I said, no. <laughs> Didn't even think about it. Because I quit feeding the desire. That's what gives us the desires is what we feed. And if we feed ourselves the fleshly stuff, that's what we will desire. And if we feed ourselves spiritual stuff, that's what we will desire so Lord I ask you to help us today every one of us here today 
ask you to help us, God.